What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. Today's episode is going to be brought to you by Mystery Ranch, built for the mission. And if you haven't been rocking a Mystery Ranch Fireline pack for quite some time, well, you're probably doing it wrong and your back probably hurts. But cool thing is, is I am going to be at Mystery Ranch for this recording of this episode. Yeah, we're actually going to go into the whole design and uh, implementation of those designs via your feedback in the field. So we're going to get to get a little bit of behind the scenes action on this episode. And I'm pretty stoked about that. But not only that, and making kick ass packs and load bearing essentials for all walks of life, they are giving back to the community. They have officially launched the Backbone series and the Backbone Scholarship Program. So if you guys are telling a story of Wildland Fire and you want to make that public, well, your opportunity to say your piece is over at www.mysteryranch.com. And check this out. Entrance to the Backbone series, the people that have submitted have a chance to win a limited number of $1,000 grants to help assist in your education. So if you want to go back to school, well, take a chance. The opportunities out there, it's up to you guys to take advantage of that. So once again, go over to www.mysteryranch.com and check it out. Dinker Point Podcast is also brought to you by our latest and greatest sponsor. And who is that? Well, it is none other than Manscaped. And oh yeah, yes, your balls will thank you. So check this out. Holiday season is fast approaching and listeners to this podcast can get 20% off plus free shipping by using the code AnchorPoint. And that's all one word at checkout. And that's site-wide, which is pretty bitching, especially for those gift-giving things. You want to give uh, one of your buddies a gag gift or you you happen to have a significant other that needs to uh, trim the old downstairs? Well, now is your opportunity. So check this out. Go over to www.manscape.com and check out the perfect package. It's got the lawnmower 3.0. It's waterproof. It's got an LED light in it. It's got the skin safe technology built right into the blade to help reduce those manscaping mishaps. I don't know if you ever nicked your balls before, but it is not fun. In addition to that, they also have the crop reviver and the crop reserver and some super sweet boxers that you can get in there. And it all comes with a sweet little leather carrying case, like a little travel bag. And that is the perfect package. So if you guys want to pick up one of these, go over to www.manscape.com, enter the code anchor and that's all one word at checkout for 20% off with free shipping. Go over there and check it out. It is awesome. The Anchor Point Podcast is also going to be brought to you by our premier coffee sponsor, and that is none other than Hot Shot Brewery. It's kick-ass coffee for a kick-ass cause, and a portion of the proceeds will always go back to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation, which is pretty badass. So it's kick-ass coffee for a kick-ass cause. Also, in, a, uh, in addition to the kick-ass coffee for kick-ass causes, well, they have a ton of other stuff. They have a full line of wildland firefighter-themed apparel. They have a full line of all the tools of the trade to get your morning started off right by making some kick-ass coffee. And check this out. They also have our stuff. Yeah, that's how they uh, support us, actually. They support the anchor point podcast by slinging our merch. So if you go over to www.hotshotbrewing.com, you can get all of the things I previously mentioned and you can pick up your pick yourself up one of those band of brothers tees or one of those fire fiend tees or some stickers and other swag. So once again, go over to www.hotshotbrewing.com and check them out. The anchor point podcast would also like to give a shout out to our buddies over at the ass movement. They are obviously the premier purveyors of poop propaganda here on the West coast and now nationwide. 
but their whole mission is to be good stewards of the land. So if you happen to have one of those people that likes to, uh, you know, take a turd on public lands and not bury their business, well, the ass movement is for you. Let's uh, educate some of the public here and spread some of this anti-surface shitting propaganda far and wide because I don't know how many times I've gone along a public trail or went and gone fly fishing or hunting or camping or any outdoor activity and had a nice little pile of human feces that's been gift wrapped in toilet paper on the side of the trail. It's disgusting and that shit needs to stop. But good for you is you can go over to www.thefirewild.com and check out the ass movement. And they have a ton of poo burying propaganda for your taking. Oh yeah. So spread the message with a button, a sticker, a magnet, a big ass sticker. Hell, even they even have the, the Pooh Bear posters and they even have turd trowels. So holidays are coming up. And if you want to uh, get your problem pooper on the crew or somebody else, you know, that might be a problem pooper, a little gift to remind them to bury their turds. Go check out the new turd trowel that he has. Oh, and check this out. Listen to this whole podcast. Yeah. All of you. You guys can get 10% off your entire order by entering the code anchorpointass10 at checkout. So go over there, spread the word. And last but not least, the Anchor Point Podcast is going to be brought to you by the Smoky Generation, also known as the American Wildfire Experience. Bethany has a kick-ass organization going on over there, and it's basically telling the story of wildland fire, not only here in America now, but across the globe. It is pretty damn awesome. They have a collection of over 100 of these stories regarding wildland fire dating back to the 1940s. It's pretty bitchin'. So if you want a little uh, history lesson or a trip down memory lane or want to hear some stories from the folks in the field, well, look no further than the Smoky Generation. You can go check out their website at www.wildfireexperience.org and check this out. They are giving back to the community. They have an opportunity to win some limited number of $500 grants for the folks in the field that are telling the story of wildland fire. I know 2020 has been closed, but 2021 is right around the corner. So get your typing fingers or your camera fingers or your cinematography buttons all dialed in and get your stories all together. So if you happen to be a writer, blogger, photographer, a cinematographer, anybody who's telling the story of wildland fire, go over to www.wildfireexperience.org and look for all these grant submission options that'll be coming down the pipeline soon. Bethany, you have a kick-ass organization going on over there. Keep it up. do not reflect the views and opinions of the United States government, the Department of the Interior, the Department of Defense, the Department of Agriculture, the United States Forest Service, the Bureau of Land Management, National Park Service, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, or any private, municipal, county, or state firefighting organization, any law enforcement agency, any medical provider, or any contractor employed by any federal agency. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast. So today on the show, we are going to talk about the whole design process that goes into all of the behind the scenes kind of works over at Mystery Ranch. I know a lot of you guys have been rocking a wildland pack from those guys uh, from Mystery Ranch for quite some time. And we're going to 
go into a little bit of the trade secrets. We're going to talk about how they're designed, the materials, what the process is, and the whole process about trial and error, how your feedback directly affects the design and implementation of new packs and all the new designs. It's pretty wild, man. And uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool to see the whole process. We're also going to go over about some new stuff they got coming down the line as well and some avenues that they're going to be exploring uh, a, a little later in the year. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce my good friend, John Bachman. He is one of the lead designers over there at Mystery Ranch, and he has some awesome stuff to tell you about the whole mystery mystery ranch design process and also on the show we have mr luke mayfield which you've heard from before so without further ado ladies and gentlemen john bachman and lucas mayfield welcome to the anchor point ladies and gentlemen welcome back to another episode of the anchor point podcast today on the show I've got our good buddy, John and Lucas from Mystery Ranch. What's going on, fellas? Not much. Another day at the ranch. Nice, man. Well, introduce yourself, John. Uh, my name is John Bachman. I'm a mission designer. Lucas? I'm the fire program manager for Mystery Ranch and former supervisory forestry technician for the Forest Service. Nice. So look at this. It's like the match made in heaven. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I don't know, man. Hey, well, hey, uh, thank you for having me here in lovely Bozeman, Montana. Uh, it's a little chillier than uh, I expected, but yeah, I guess that's what happens in there this far north. Feels good. It's been a hot summer. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Sorry about that. Just getting a drink there. Um, no let's see. I've been at the ranch for almost nine years now. Started on the floor, worked my way up uh, through the ranks uh, and became a mission designer. I uh, mainly work on wildland fire, military, and most recently law enforcement packs. Ooh, fancy. Fancy. How long were you here again? About nine years. Nine years? Nine years, October 6th, I believe. No shit. That's a, that's good. And do you have any fire background by any chance or? No fire background. No? <gasps> Blasphemy. Um, I understand. Blasphemy. That's all right. We got Lucas here and he's, uh, he's definitely got the fire experience. That's your cue, bud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, took the job at Mystery Ranch. I've been here a year and a half. Um, the job itself came out of left field. It's nothing I would have ever expected to um, have pursued or have ever had the opportunity to do, period. Um, and from my standpoint, I know nothing about design, but uh, I either have ideas or get ideas from people in the field. And John's the person that I go to um, to, to make those ideas a reality. And he's not that I have a lot of experience, but the best that uh, exists right here. Thanks, Luke. Oh, you guys are like, you guys are like BFFs. Look at that. <laughs> we get along pretty well. <laughs> no, it's cool though. It's uh, it's interesting to see like, uh, cause I took a little tour through your shop yesterday and uh, yeah, it's kind of cool to see the whole process come together. Cause I've been wearing a mystery ranch pack for well, forever, as long as I can remember. I mean, I think there was one, a couple of seasons where I was wearing a competitor's pack when I was on a Helitac crew, but that's just about it. Otherwise it's just straight mystery ranch. Nice. Yeah. So what's the history 
of Mystery Ranch? Like what goes into these designs? Uh, how, I mean, how do you come up with these ideas for fire packs? Well, technically I don't come up with the ideas that comes from Luke or from firefighters in the field. Gotcha. Um, we work with those concepts and try to come up with good solutions for, for some really random gear. Um, so yeah. And then we go through iterations. We build a prototype, get it out in the field, get it tested, get feedback from the users and move forward from, from there. And usually we, you know, shoot sometimes go through three, four, five different iterations before we get it right. I gotcha. And it's just all basically trial and error, right? Trial and error with, uh, you know, and then I have the background. So, you know, the trial and error gets easier and easier over the years. Nice. Yeah. I mean, so what is like your most common feedback as far as, uh, feedback coming back from the field? It depends on the pack. It depends on what the purpose of the pack is for. Um, durability is something that we always strive for, um, and comfort. Yeah, no, the comfort thing is definitely, uh, a, a knock out of the park because <laughs> correct, <laughs> dude, if you have a happy back, it's like a happy life, man. If you're lugging, you know, 45 pounds of shit around on your back for, you know, 16 hours a day for up to 21 days at a time. Well, you might as well be comfy while you're doing it. At least as comfortable as you can. Understood. Yeah. But yeah, man, that's, uh, there's a lot that I understand. There's a lot that goes into it and there's been several iterations of it. And when did your first fire pack come out? It was like 2004, right? Yeah. Prior to prior, prior to me working here. Okay. I believe that the first prototypes, um, came out in 05 and it's, it's not my story to tell, but it's a cool story. And, uh, hopefully we'll hear portions of that from Dana later, but it, it was born out of necessity and a request from um, a region five hotshot crew and a couple forward thinking individuals. And the first version of what is now a hotshot or hotshot top load was prototyped in 05, refined in 06, and I believe went to market and was available by 07. Um, I know I started wearing them in 2009 and we tested them on uh, my crew a region six hotshot crew at the time in 2008 with a lead saw and our superintendent so we could get him to uh get off the eagle pack train at the time yeah i remember those the eagle pack yeah Yeah, that was like one of the first packs that i had and then uh got back into mystery ranch uh later on down the road for my fire career at least Yeah. And I mean, I know from my experience or going through the process back then of justifying the packs, we didn't even really think about the form and function or the fact that no fire pack is ever going to feel like you're, you're never going to be completely comfortable, but to be as comfortable as possible with a pack that you can actually fit to yourself um and truly bears the load that's carried and as you well know on a shock crew it's getting better but it's not uncommon and probably more common than not for saw teams to, with chainsaw and or dolmar to have at least 70 pounds in their bag oh yeah at least sometimes even more i mean if you're i mean even like the jumpers like if you have enough gnarly enough pack out i mean obviously you want to shed weight and you know burn your trash when you can and you know shed your water and everything like that but saving weight you know pounds equal pain correct yeah that's definitely for sure so 
how many fire packs are there? I mean, I know of the hot top, the top loader one. That's the one I usually rocked. And then I had a, uh, one of the, uh, zip up ones as well. Yeah. So you've got the, there's the hot shot hand crew line, which is the hot shot, which is the, uh, with the horseshoe zipper on front, the hot shot top load, which has gone through three different name changes. Um, and design modifications since 2005. And then there's a engine IA category that has the hot speed along with the shift and shift plus 900, which is a modular uh, system that allows you to essentially go with the fire yoke waist belt and uh, hydration or add that crew bag portion, which is more similar to a hot shot. I gotcha. And now that yoke that uh, is kind of infamous in the fire community, that uh, the yoke and the waist belt portion, are those interchangeable between packs? Yes. Uh, for sizing, fit and sizing, they're inter- interchangeable. I believe we have three sizes of yokes and three to four sizes of waist belts. And then you can you can mix and match those to fit the end user. I gotcha. Yeah. Cause I knew you guys had a, like different sizes. Cause I'm a, I'm a small or medium yoke and a small waist belt. I know you can interchange those, but I was thinking of like, like the, the modular pack systems that you guys have. Um, is that all predicated off of that yoke system? Yes. The shift, uh, the shift platform is based, has the same similar yoke and waist belt. I gotcha. Huh? Wow. Look at that. It's like the same yoke. And that's a good thing though. It's like the same yoke. It's the same waist belt. So you know what you're getting on each one of these designs. Correct. The yoke, the yoke is awesome. Uh, the adjustability, uh, is pretty much endless. We can fit just about any size shape person. Oh yeah. I mean, I've seen those yokes expand out for like, you know, the 240 pound huge dude on the crew all the way down to like the tiniest girl ever, you know? So it's yeah, they're, they're great design. Now, if we could just get the firefighters to adjust them properly. Oh, let's talk about that. All right. So fitting right so we uh <laughs> i don't know if you guys have like a video out there on the ranch on the uh, mystery ranch website do you guys have a video for proper fitting of your pack because i don't think a lot of firefighters know about that yes it's on the website okay and uh just at mysteryranch.com mysteryranch.com okay you guys have also have a youtube as well i'm not sure about that that would be a question for marketing i'm not either yeah but I, I believe the videos I know I have found on YouTube. Gotcha. Okay. So as far as the whole pack fitment thing, and when you're fitting that thing to you, if you were to give like a speed run through it, what would you say to the people that are listening right now? Watch the video. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's really not all that complex, but if you get it adjusted properly, um, it really makes our bags comfortable. Gotcha. Yeah. One thing also too is uh, that fire shelter thing. I noticed, uh, I didn't know you guys had this until a while ago, but that fire shelter typically rides right on the top of your ass and it wears a hole in your pants, right? Correct. You guys have this like little wedge thing that you can put in there that kind of keeps it away from your back. That's, uh, that's our initial design. Uh, now most of the bags that we're doing have a slanted bottom. So we got rid of the wedge and that performs the same, uh, purpose. Huh. Gotcha. See, that's a, that's a weird thing is like, we always have these hand-me-down packs, you know, these packs usually last like three, four, five seasons if you take care of them. So it's always, we always have like previous models. We don't have the latest and greatest stuff usually out in the field. 
Right. Uh, well, I guess that's a good thing. That means our packs are pretty durable. Yeah. I mean, I've never had a problem with them. Firefighters are some of our harshest users and abusers of our bags. Oh yeah. Yeah. Talking about austere environments to throw uh, a pack into, and especially, you know, if, if it's ballistic nylon too, I mean, sometimes it'll catch spots, but you guys have a solution for that as well. Correct. We have an in-house repair department. Yeah. Also, what about the material too? I mean, do you guys have any like, I guess, heat resistant elements that you guys put on the tops of those bags? Uh, not per se. Um, the fire bags uh, are all built out of, for the most part, nylon 6-6 materials, including okay. the hardware, the fabric, et cetera. Webbing across Everything. the board. And all of that relates to when Mystery Ranch made the shift to get the NFPA uh, 1977 approval, which requires a heat test of what I believe is you need to bake it for five minutes at 450 degrees, let it sit for 450 degrees, and then the buckles all still have to work. I gotcha. So... As far as like the NFPA stuff, like what's the whole process behind that? Oh, geez. You'll have to ask it to developer. Okay. So this is a different thing. So well, no, it's not different. I, I, as a designer, I was not involved in that process. Um, that was left up to, uh, the developer. Once I get done with one of my designs, I hand it off to a developer and they kind of put all the bells and whistles on it. They create the bill of materials. They make sure the pattern set is nice and tight. Uh, they make sure everything fits together. Um, check my math, check my numbers, uh, write instructions, put it into centric into our PLM. Um, and they handle all the logistics. Oh, I gotcha. So yeah, I just didn't know how that whole thing works. And it's, it's kind of cool. It's refreshing to see like how that all comes together to make a pack where it gets made, all the bill of materials is made, it gets built and then it's out the door on the line pretty much. Correct. And we're one of the few places that still do it this way where we have in-house designers and developers. I gotcha. And so a lot of people will outsource that. Is it what you come find out in the industry or? Yeah. For the most part. Huh. That's pr pretty rare to do it this way. Huh? Wild. So how did, all right. So what about your other packs? Like, cause you have medical packs, you guys have all sorts of stuff. Like what are some of the like new latest, greatest things that you guys have? On the fire side specifically? Yeah. Well, I, the newest packs that have come out, and it was probably two years ago that we came out with the fire emergency medical pack, the FEMP, and the Shift Plus Medic, which is essentially a smaller version of the FEMP, but can be placed on that modular shift frame. Um, and that's a pack that has been made specifically for fireline medics and with the idea that it could be used as a trauma bag. Um, the, the beauty in it is in my opinion, you have an incident within an incident on the line. And if you're not spiked out or slinging your gear in and staging that stuff as you go, but if you get out of the truck, you get a mile up the hill as you're putting line in, Someone cuts themselves, traumatic injury, whacked by something, um, you know, you EMTs respond, start your eight line. And then typically in my experience, maybe it doesn't happen this way everywhere, but it's all right. What do you, what do you need? Next level of care. It's sending two people down to the trucks to grab a trauma bag 
and some sort of extrication device, whether that's a TRS, backboard, et cetera. What always frustrated me was you send the people down and then they're throwing another 30 to 45 pounds on top of their line gear that weighs 35 to 50 pounds plus that TRS or whatever the extraction device is on the other person's back. And then they have to hump it back up to the hill to the scene of the incident to start assisting um, with package and transport is what we do best. Um, my thought is you get to the truck, you can now drop your line gear, put that bag on and then respond uh, to the incident without 80 pounds, 90 pounds. You've got that 35, 40 pound singular bag ready to go, fire shelter attached and everything you need to meet requirements, but cut weight. And for the Fireline medics, I think that it's the best pack out there to bear their load because those bags fully kitted are, you know, sometimes 70 plus pounds. Oh yeah. They definitely, uh, that jump bag gets pretty damn heavy, especially when you start adding bottles of oxygen on it too. The great thing about the FEMP also is it's been out for a couple of years. Uh, we're actually getting feedback on that currently and we're working on a version two as we speak. So you guys are working on a second iteration of that right now. Correct. Okay. What's, uh, I mean, can you divulge any of the information that's going into that pack? Can't do that. Oh, come on. <laughs> Just a little sneak peek. <laughs> I, I will say that the difficulty with the current version with at least the way that medic operations work. I mean, it's pretty standard that you're carrying O2 in some way, shape or form. And that can be difficult with the current bag and the way that it's, um, constructed. So I gotcha. Yeah. Your airway kit is, you know, that's going to really be just critical need items, uh, depending on what happens. Cause if anything that happens usually on a fire line, it's either going to be, you know, your most common is going to be anaphylaxis, bee stings, stuff like that. It's going to be those allergic reactions. It's also going to be traumatic injuries and you need oxygen on board period. Like, and that, and <laughs> what really sucks is you have to really dial down that amount that flow of O2. So you need to either dial down the oxygen or bring a shit ton of bottles. There's no two ways around it. So I think yeah. the other thing that we're striving for with the second version is uh, easier access, okay. one handed access. Um, I gotcha to just make it fast. Just all your stuff's right there. You exactly. Got airway trauma. Yep. Cardiac if need be. Yeah. Huh. All right. So there's a little teaser for you guys. <laughs> so what about the other things that you guys make? Uh, like I know you guys make those top, uh, it kind of replaces, I call it the brain on your pack. And those you have uh, medical kits, like a, like a point of injury care kit basically as well. Yeah. I'm about as medically uh, skookum as the stool I'm sitting on, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, in the past you would typically see, the red 10 man kits issued by, you know, general cash item, um, that pack or that bag or kit while it worked, didn't work maybe well. So the med lid, uh, which was created obviously prior to my arrival at mystery ranch was a product to take its place. So its intent is a 10 man medical kit. That's why 
You'll typically see crews that use them. There's two, one per squad given to the EMTs. And then, um, yeah, it's designed specifically for customization of crew needs and to replace a 10-man kit. Yeah, I, I kind of got an issue with those 10-man kits that come out of out of the uh, cache. I mean, it's just an ouchie and boo-boo kit at the end of the day. So I'm a very firm believer that you need to kit out your own. So yeah, putting Band-Aids on a traumatic injury is not going to fix anything. So, <laughs> And I think, you know, that stuff's still relatively new to, the, you know, at least in my experience, federal fire, like where, where's the medical direction coming from what one region is doing versus the other. If you have EMTs, it's really because you're lucky and you're seeking them out in hiring and being able to build a medical program from a hotshot perspective, that stuff's coming from the seasonals or the leads or apprentices that you're bringing on that are current and qualified EMTs. Occasionally you're lucky enough to get a paramedic. So that stuff's getting streamlined in my opinion, much faster and from the bottom up versus the top down from some of these folks that have chosen to sacrifice their own off-season time to become EMTs, to stay current, to stay qualified, and then to bring that knowledge to fire crews to, you know, in my last position as a supervisory forestry technician, as I said, I'm was decent in practice at running an eight line and organizing package and transport, but we're relying on those medical experts to customize the kits and make them worth a shit. I gotcha. Yeah. It just kind of sucks though, because we don't really typically have medical direction as like a, a standardized, Hey, use your forest service or Bureau of land management medical direction. If we had something like that, it'd be awesome. But Really, it's just mix and match right now. I know the uh, state of Nevada has pretty good, like uh, well, really good medical direction for our uh, Bureau of Land Management EMT program, but not a lot of places are the same. No, and I know Region 6, same page, they I think are doing a wonderful job with uh, providing medical direction, standardization, and assisting with keeping people current and qualified and covered as EMTs, et cetera. But it's, it's different region to region. And I might be speaking out of turn or improperly. I know it's something that's being worked on on a national level, but in my experience, which was up until March of 2019, that's my opinion on that state of affairs and how much, again, we're relying on those people that you're hiring as a seasonal or bringing in at the GS five level to bring that knowledge expertise and roll with it from the ground up. Yeah. Hopefully one of these days it'll change a little bit, at least hopefully we'll get some, something better, you know, but that'll be the day. <laughs> so for John, for you, as far as like other packs, what else do we got? Cause I know mystery ranch doesn't stop at fire. Oh no, definitely not. We pretty much do it all. We've got, well, on the mission side, as I mentioned before, we have uh, military as well as law enforcement lines. Um, we're starting to branch out into USAR search and rescue. Um, and then on our mountain side, they have ski packs, GQ packs, uh, you know, everyday carry climbing packs, skiing packs, backpacking packs, you know, travel, luggage, et cetera. Everything. Uh, across the board. So if you want to go peel a trophy elk off the side of the hill, 
Oh, definitely. We're known for that. <laughs> uh, what else? So you got a military mission. Military mission. Yes. Yes. Mil- military stuff. Yes. Okay. Lots of military stuff. Yeah. Uh, so let's get into the military thing. So I know that's a huge uh, thing of yours and you guys um, have developed uh, some packs for with a Navy SEAL uh, unit, correct? Correct. Okay. Let's explain that a little bit. Go into that. Well, um, we do quite a few packs for special, uh, uh, <laughs> special forces. Sorry about that. Um, and I don't think there's any specific pack. I think they're across the board. Um, that's not really my area of expertise where the packs are going. Um, but we have, um, of course we've got our nice frame platform for carrying real large loads, um, with, the an array of backpacks that fit onto that nice frame. Um, also with the yoke and waist belt system. We also have a military light frame, which is a lighter version of the nice frame. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really cool. Uh, it's made uh, laser cut materials, um, a little bit lighter weight, quite a bit lighter weight. Um, and the same bags that ride on the nice frame will typically fit on the military light frame as well. Okay. So those are interchangeable as well. Interchangeable. Hmm. And now, so explain the nice pack, the nice or the nice frame rather, uh, that nice frame is designed for serious load bearing, right? Serious load bearing. Um, it's, uh, it's good. I believe carbon fiber stays in it. Um, it's kind of like a lattice work of carbon fiber stays. Dana can probably explain it better than I can. Um, and fabric with the yoke. So full adjustment, full sizing, um, and the bags essentially there's a, it's called a frame cap slide over the top of it and latch it down. I gotcha. And then some, you know, all the bags are designed differently. There's, there's some that are made for, like you said, carrying out an elk with a load shelf on it. So the bag will expand and you have a little shelf between the frame and the bag itself to carry weird loads, I guess. Kind of just redistribute that, uh, that load basically to a more ergonomic position. Not, not so much. It just, the bag expands out so you can get that heavy odd, odd item, you know, a jerry can or whatever you're carrying. Gotcha. Cause I was thinking about that too, is like, uh, this, this nice frame, I was taking a look at that and, uh, I think that would have an excellent application for carrying around like a, uh, Mark three pump or something like that too. So, right. Yeah. I mean, it's just those awkward loads and <laughs> it sucks, you know, pounds equal pain. <laughs> so, you know, having the, the tools to do that correctly and you know, make your life a little bit less of a living hell, it's definitely appreciated. And then also on the military side, we have some uh, other bags that are not based on the on the nice frame platform, um, assault, sustainment, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, across the board, we do comms, medical. Um, yeah, pretty much cover all the bases. Okay. Now, so another question for you there is like, do you take some of the designs from the military and hunting? Uh, cause those are going to be your, probably your arguably your biggest load bearing areas, I guess you'd say besides fire. And do you apply those designs to some fire stuff? Oh yeah, of course. Everything's based off of what Dana did back in the day. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're just, we just keep running with it and keep improving but there is a lot of crossover between the two teams, the mountain team and the, and the mission team. We all work in the same room. We all discuss issues and problems. We pick each other's brains to come up with a good solution to what we're working on. 
Okay. And so the mountain and mission, obviously mission would be fire, police, military, and then mountain would be like your outdoors stuff, right? Correct. Okay. That's awesome. That's kind of cool to see uh, how they're all interchangeable, like how they all play off each other. I think that's probably a good idea for, you know, design, like you said, you know, problem solving. Yeah. And, and I would have to say probably 90% of our backpacks are based off of the future yoke some version of that future yoke. So they are interchangeable. You know, they may, the yokes are all shaped the same, but they may, may look a little bit different, but the shaping is, is the same across the board. I gotcha. And it's just that design that kind of worked and it worked well. And it just so happens to be implemented into other things, even in your backcountry series. Correct. Gotcha. Speaking of backcountry, what else do you guys got in that line? What's some of the, the, what sets you apart from the competitors? I would have to say, um, once again, durability and comfort, and, uh, we're working towards lighter weight bags. Um, so, you know, that's, there's a compromise there. Um, because if you go too light on your materials, then you're, then you're sacrificing durability. Yeah. It's just going to rip and comfort in some cases. So there's, there's a fine line there, uh, between lightweight, durability, comfort, et cetera. You just got to find that proper balance between all of those. Correct. And, and when we get a new material, we have in-house testing procedures, uh, to, to test the durability and we have standards that we have to have to live up to. So what does that look like? Did you guys just like load it up with a, I don't know, a cinder block bag of concrete. <laughs> what do you guys do for the testing? <laughs> it's pretty redneck actually, but uh, <laughs> we're getting it refined. Um, we do uh, durability testing as far as buckles and web and tear strength. We have a, I think it's a Harbor freight bearing press that's rigged up to break stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. I got to I gotta go check this out after we're recording because I want to go break some shit. I'll, I'll take you down there. <laughs> That's awesome. So and as far as uh, like, what about like, I guess, uh, abrasion testing? Do you guys do abrasion testing as well? Yeah, actually, that one's that one's uh, pretty by the books. We have a taper tester mm-hmm. um, and we're starting to this testing just came into play about four or five years ago. So we're starting to build up our equipment uh, so that we can get uh, better results. I gotcha. So you said redneck there for a second. So I was expecting you to just like throw a cinder block in a pack and then drag it down the road by your truck. Well, <laughs> there's some of, there's some of that also. Um, when we just, uh, for the military, we just worked on uh, an Arctic frame, which has, when they're in the Arctic, they're, they're hauling sleds, pulling sleds behind them. And so we worked with a guy out of uh, Denver, Boulder, I believe, who's an Arctic explorer. And so the first iterations had put some loops on the waist belts and he came up and he was out in the parking lot towing tires around with these backpacks. (laughs) It's just doing like (laughs) ultimate CrossFit there. Right. Towing tires. You know, when we developed our jump bags, we put a lot of weight in them and tied into the jump loops and dropped it off the roof. Okay. Speaking of the jump, uh, jump packs, I know that you guys are working with uh, North piece and Missoula. Is it those two? I don't know that I can say who we're working with, but we are working with aerial delivered firefighters that happen to uh, be delivered out of a plane on <laughs> a pack system. Um, 
a PG bag and a pack out bag, but yeah, uh, I'm pretty stoked. It'll be completely different, obviously, because the need is different from any bag that mystery ranch has made. And the fact that it's more of a traditional web gear, um, to fit the need of collapsibility, compactability, and to be able to get from the air to the ground, put it on and go to work. Okay. So hopefully I didn't say too much there. (laughs) No, it's, uh, I think I'm pretty excited about the pack in general. And again, without people like John to take it to, um, make it a reality, refine it, get the feedback needed. It's, it's been pretty cool. And that's, Overall, starting to take John, we've gone on a couple different trips to a couple different places uh, within the U.S. and outside. To I only know so much, and to be able to bring a designer along to ferret out the real information that is needed uh, has been invaluable, and I learn a ton from it. And it's good for me to get out there too. It's uh, nice to meet uh, the folks that are using the bags. Um, I was thrilled to see, uh, my bag fall out of a plane. That was pretty cool. (laughs) Um, and the input and the insight and just the information about how I'm not a firefighter, never was, never will be, but to speak to the guys and gals, um, it's just, it's priceless information for me to understand how they do things. And it gives me better insight on what I need to do as a designer. I gotcha. So when you uh, see these guys jumping out of planes and these hot shots on the line, do you think you guys are uh, kind of crazy or what's your, what's your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, I'm old and out of shape, so I don't think it's crazy. I have a lot of respect for it. Um, I think when I was younger, I probably could have handled everything but the heat, but it looks like a lot of hard work. Yeah, it can be. That's usually uh brief. Well, it's long moments of utter and sheer boredom and monotony followed by a few seconds of utter chaos and holy shit, I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of Gatorade. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Cases and pallets of Gatorade. Yeah. But yeah, man. Um, so as far as other things with the fire program, what else are you guys making? Like accessories? What else do you guys got? Kind of covered the uh, the med lid. Yeah, so there's a plethora of accessories from water bottle holders meant for Forest Service canteens or hydro flasks, um, hose clamp holsters, tech pockets, the med lid, the hot lid, um, and I'm. A we got the new holster. the new firing bag. Yeah, for 21, we've got some more accessories coming targeted to uh, Sawyer's. Um, So you'll be seeing a couple items to, I think, make their lives easier, which is the goal. And then the one that I'm most excited about is um, a bag designed for interior lighting to interplay with our pack and be able to go from using green knapsacks designed a long time ago or stuffing your shirt or your pockets or your pants with as many hotshot flares and a very pistol as possible. So 
a pack that's designed to carry, you know, upwards of 150 hotshot flares with the spot to have the pistol, um, extra blanks, cylinders, and then um, be able to have a bandolier option as well and be able to move over crappy terrain for long periods of time in a standardized form and fashion versus going from ammo cans to said knapsack to whatever potential solution you found and try to kind of streamline that process for folks. That's a product that I'm really happy with as well. Um, when Luke came to me with the idea and explained how those operations were performed or have been performed, it seemed rather barbaric carrying around a green ammo can in one hand and pistols stashed wherever you could and caps and flares all over the place. Oh, yeah. uh, this is a good solution for that. I think people are going to like it. No, that's awesome. Yeah, man. That's, that's one of those things. Like you have the green knapsack that's just utterly filled full of either stubbies or grenades or hotshot flares, whatever, you know, or a combination of whatever that's in there. And it's, it's chaotic because those things get banged around in bins. They always break open. So there's always like a, a fine layer of shit at the bottom of this pack that's probably flammable. And then you're lighting stuff on fire. So it doesn't seem like a very good idea. So making a solution for that, I think is probably one of those much needed items. Yeah. Uh, we actually had one of those and some flares, uh, in house when I was doing that design. Uh, but nobody would give me any caps. <laughs> they, they said no go on the uh, 22 blanks on huh? no go on the caps. Oh man. Come on. I thought you guys said you were uh, doing redneck stuff here. <laughs> we're getting there. <laughs> Uh, that, and I would say the other one is a solution. I mean, carrying a five gallon Jerry of fuel or a QB is never fun. It's even less fun when you can't put a tool through the Jerry can handle You're using fiber tape or whatever you can to make a homemade loop. And then for the QB, I'm sure everyone is well aware of having to use an absorbent amount of fiber tape, cutting holes through the cardboard, putting your knife through the plastic water container. So I think we've got a pretty cool solution, um, for that still putting an extra 45 pounds on your back, but at least you can do it without the, uh, the extra BS that is involved with it. And these are all ideas that Luke came up with. Um, the QB thing, the fiber tape, that, that was an eye opener for me. Um, it seems like the ideas seem relatively simple there, but I can't believe people haven't tried to make solutions for carrying these items. Yeah. Usually we just sit there and wear it like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to embrace the suck and hike up this hill with a Jerry or a QB. And yeah. Yeah. Like you said, man, sticking a tool through there with an, an incredible amount of fiber tape. Yeah. That or uh, like a, what is that? A carabiner? Get like one of those extra big ass carabiners for your uh, Jerry can. Yeah. Yeah which always breaks. And those things are expensive. They're like 30 bucks for these stupid carabiners. Ones that'll hold up at least. Yeah. I, I think we've, we've got a pretty slick answer for a couple different things, which I don't know how much, how many secrets we give away before they're officially released, but it's coming. I think they're cool. Um, they've been getting tested throughout this summer. Um, from a number of different, uh, resource standpoints, wildfire use modules, I'm, um, I, I'm certainly biased and partial to hotshot crews. So 
they're testing a lot of that gear and providing uh, quality feedback and um, it's all been pretty darn positive. Nice. Hmm. All right. Well, look at that. looks like we have some stuff coming down the line from you guys. And more in 2022, I believe. Yeah. And we're, I'm working on 23. So I'm going to keep John's plate full. (laughs) Bring it on. Buckle up, buddy. So as far as what the future holds for mystery ranch design, wouldn't anything, uh, incredible groundbreaking, anything you can divulge or we just got to wait and see. I've got ideas in my head um, for some long-term ideas and or projects to put on John's plate. Um, So I won't say too much, but all I can say is is there's a ton of potential. And again, it's my opinion, but the best people in the business to make ideas become reality are in that design and development room at Mystery Ranch. And they do it, man. They, you come with an idea, put a little bit of a description of what it is, what the intent is. And pretty soon you see something that's damn near spot on to solve that problem. And also a big part of my job is continuous improvement. So existing bags that have been out there for years, we continuously get feedback and we're continuously updating our product uh, to meet those demands. Okay. Speaking of which, uh, how do we get a hold of you to like give that feedback? Do we just call in, write in? What do we, what do, we do here? Call Luke. Call Luke. Yeah, for sure. Call me. And we are, it, that has been one of my projects or priorities is standardizing our test and evaluation process. Um, it will be up hopefully within the next couple months, specifically to the fire page. Right now, you can find a test and eval form um, on our web page, and we can, I'll figure out a way to make that easy because I can't explain it very well now. But there is a standardized test and evaluation form that goes directly to me when they're filled out. And then we do have feedback forms that I have access to, and I read through them probably two to three times a week. Um, The coolest thing, some of them are pretty funny and uh, pointed. Um, But what I have been incredibly impressed with is that a lot of the feedback we're getting in general, all I can say is we're working on it. I promise you. And we're on the same page to get that stuff fixed. So it's cool to see the direction we're going is meeting uh, the concerns, problems, whatever that people are presenting to us. Oh, nice. Well, cool, man. And, uh, looks like you're going to be real, real damn busy, especially with feedback from this guy and the field. Always busy, but I enjoy the work. Um, and I, I just, firefighting bags are tough. Um, they're, they have to be small, compact and the items that the firefighters have to carry are somewhat odd and the the way that they have to carry them um, so that they're more efficient doing their job um, is pretty interesting and it makes things fairly complex, but that's exciting to me. Yeah. It's a, nothing in firefighting is necessarily easy, I guess you could say, but uh, we can make it a little bit easier with good design. 
then it's going to save your back and save you some extra calories hiking up that line. And that's the goal. And I couldn't do it without all the input. So keep giving us input, input, tell us what we need. Tell us where we're failing. Tell us where we're doing good. Copy that. Now I'll definitely put some links in the show notes for that one. That way you guys can, uh, you guys do have that testing and evaluation or that need for improvement or if you just want to write a love letter to Mystery Ranch, I don't know. <laughs> Throw it in the show notes for sure. <laughs> There's hate mail involved. Uh-oh. What's the funniest uh, hate mail that you've got so far? Not I've uh, just on that feedback form. The first time I got access to it, I was going through it and one was just a straight up fuck you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Good talk, bud. Copy. <laughs> well, cool. I mean, as far as how we can get a hold of you guys, how we can follow you on Mystery Ranch. I mean, you guys have some personal profiles or anything like that you want to divulge? I'm uh, pretty much social media stupid. Um, so the best way to get a hold of me is by email or phone. Copy that. And definitely uh, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Great. I am on the social media. I rarely use it and uh, I'm pretty stupid in regards to it, but uh, I am on Instagram, Facebook, and my email or phone is the best way to do it. Copy that. Well, cool. So as far as the end of the show, what I'd like to give uh, an opportunity for you to do is to give a shout out to a homie, a hero or a mentor. Who do you guys got for us? My parents. Thanks mom and dad. Copy that. Uh, my list is long and you'll be hearing a lot from me today, but uh, you know, I would say, for this episode in particular, you know, Dana Gleason for getting this ball rolling on the fire line and uh, my predecessor who is, you know, the co-inventor and creator of this line and made it a reality um, along with just Mystery Ranch in general. Definitely props due to those folks. Hell yeah. Well, cool. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks for hosting me here at Mystery Ranch. It's uh, definitely pretty cool to be here. Thank you guys. Thanks for having us. Hell yeah, man. We'll catch you. Catch you guys on the next one. And boom, there we go. Ladies and gentlemen, another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast is in the books with John Bachman and Lucas Mayfield over at Mystery Ranch. John is the one of the design team over there at mystery ranch and he actually pretty much has hands-on into not only the fire packs but all sorts of the other mission uh mission essentials over there at mystery ranch and then uh he works hand in hand with lucas mayfield the fire program manager but it is pretty cool to see the behind the scenes efforts that go uh into designing all these packs and like the construction materials how to take care of them all that stuff it's pretty badass and it's kind of eye-opening and they cannot do it without your input. So if you guys got some feedback or some uh, constructive criticisms that you want to send their way to help imp- improve the future of their pack lines, by all means, hit them up. And I'll uh, definitely put some links in the show notes for that. As for the rest of you, thank you guys for uh, tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show and yeah, it's getting to be winter. So buckle up for the long haul and the hibernation and uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we got to take care of each other. So call up your friends and make sure that everybody is doing well do a little buddy check every once in a while doesn't ever hurt special shout out to our sponsors we got mystery ranch of course on the show they're doing a five-part series and this is i believe number four we got 
Hotshot Brewery, purveyors of the finest damn coffee on the West Coast. Then we got Manscaped. They are awesome. And if you guys want to get yourselves uh, a gift, a gift to yourselves, or you got a significant other that needs to uh, take some manscaping um, precautions there, if you will, well, hit them up. And we got the ass movement. We got the... uh, (laughs) <laughs> the turd trowel. <laughs> I, I love it, man. Anyways, if you guys go over to www.thefirewild.com and enter code anchorpointass10, you can get 10% off your entire order. And then last but not least, we got the Smoke Generation with Bethany over there kicking ass and taking names and telling the story of Wildland Fire. So, everybody, thank you for tuning in. You guys know the drill. Stay safe, stay savage. Peace. Peace.